year to date, you're right on. We are just slightly behind, a little under 3%. The ability to make sure that clients stay true to their plan and not be derailed by the short-term impact that happened in March and certainly the volatility as we get closer to the election. Post-election, I feel like regardless of the outcome, just having that out of the way should help ease some investors' anxiety. For the investor, uh, inertia. I think the wild card is how long is that period of inertia going to be? What's going to be the answer to bring everybody out of that? The advisors become more efficient, able to touch more clients on a daily basis than they would in a normal, traditional branch environment. You know, if you have a client on the other side of the state or, or in another state, you're seeing uh, those clients, so they're, they're more open to it. Every one of those months in the third quarter was a record for the firm, so we did recover substantially. So now that you've got advisors that have fully embraced the technology, set their course, set where they're headed, we've had a much better 2020. Hello, and welcome to the BISA Industry Trend Watch podcast. We appreciate you joining us today. Industry Trend Watch is a monthly series with industry leaders discussing trends in the financial institutions channel. Productivity trending is provided by our bankchannelresearch.com portal, an interactive tool that reports on channel performance based on data collected monthly from over 50 financial institutions. This month, we are joined by two BISA board members, Bob Corsari, President and CEO at Fifth Third Securities, and Kevin Mumau, Chief Relationship Officer at CUSO Financial Sorrento Pacific. Also joining us is John Hoffman, Regional Director at Ameriprise Financial Services. In addition to the monthly trends, we will hear them discuss how 2020 has gotten back on track, the surprising spike in life insurance sales, new strategies and business models evolving from the pandemic, and their forward-looking optimism. But first, we would like to thank Ameriprise for making these podcasts possible. And as a show of appreciation, let's please listen to this brief message. We will then turn it over to Janet Capaletti, the creator of bankchannelresearch.com, who will kick us off with a trending overview. This is Chris Melton, National Director of the Ameriprise Financial Institutions Group. Ameriprise Financial Institution Group is a proud sponsor of the BISA Monthly Industry Trending Podcast Series. With more than 25 years of experience and knowledge in serving the investment program needs of local banks and credit unions, Ameriprise Financial Institution Group brings a depth of understanding as well as investment capabilities to help clients and members feel more confident, connected, and in control of their financial life. We look forward to learning more about your financial institution and sharing how a successful investment program can be a competitive advantage. Call us at 800-679-1237 or visit us at Ameriprise.com slash AFIG. Securities offered by Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. Not federally insured, no financial institution guarantee, may lose value. Thank you. Hi, this is Janet Capaletti, the Managing Director of Research for Stathis Partners and the creator of bankchannelresearch.com, here to provide you with productivity trends for September 2020. September was on pace with August and was about 10% higher than last September, 
with the fixed annuity sales recovering and also advisory fees still in growth mode. The smaller programs, those with annual revenue less than $5 million, reported a 20% increase year over year. This was, of course, fixed annuity sales, but also their managed money fees soared 50% from last September. So speaking of managed money fees, the quarterly revenue mix for managed money has doubled since Q1 2016, growing from 20 to 40% across the industry. Credit unions have been moving in that direction at a faster clip than banks, with advisory revenue hitting the 50% mark in Q3 for the first time, while banks are averaging 32% of total revenue. So no surprise, Q3 fared better than Q2, as fixed annuities are on an upward track, and revenue penetration in Q3 was just under $2,000 per million in deposits, 3% behind the third quarter of 2019. Year-to-date, we're about 5% behind last year. All quarterly, year-to-date, and year-over-year figures are available on bankchannelresearch.com. Thanks again to LPL and Infinex for providing much of the important data used in our monthly analysis. So Scott and Bob, you're up. Hello, I am Scott Stathis, and I will be your host along with Bob Mattel. This podcast is jointly produced by BISA and Stathis Mattel. And we want to thank Ameriprise Financial Institutions Group for their sponsorship and support. We are joined today by three industry executives, two of which are BISA board members, and each will introduce themselves shortly. But first, I'd like to let our co-host, Bob Mattel, introduce himself. Bob? Absolutely. I am Bob Mattel. I am the co-host and co-producer of the Stathis Mattel podcast series, and we are ready to roll here. All right. Uh, Mr. Corsier, maybe you can introduce yourself. Great. Thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity to speak on the podcast. My name is Bob Corsari. I'm the president and CEO of Fifth Third Securities in Cincinnati, Ohio. Our program, we have about 320 investment executives serving in our financial centers. We have a platform program of 250 approximately selling licensed bankers that support our program as well. Uh, Kind of size and scope. We do about 20, uh, we have about 20 billion under management, and about $180 million in revenue annually. Excellent. John. Good morning. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, I'm the Southeast Regional Director with Ameriprise Financial Institutions Group. I currently cover approximately 16 financial institutions. The way we're set up here at Ameriprise, our regional directors cover approximately 25 or less institutions um, within their markets. I cover a variety of range of institutions from just a few hundred million to several billion in deposits, ranging from a couple of advisors and some of my smaller programs, all the way up to multi-advisor programs um, with, with close to 20 advisors. It's a range of producers, mostly full-time FAs. We do have a few licensed bankers that are in our programs. And then we have several uh, producing and non-producing program managers. Great. Thank you, John. Kevin. Thank you very much, Scott, and thank you for having me on this call. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, share. I am Chief Relationship Officer, head up our group at CUSO Financial Services in Sorrento Pacific that oversees our investment programs for growth. CUSO Financial in Sorrento Pacific, we're a TPM that services credit unions and community banks across the country. We have about 200 financial institutions that we partner with. 550 plus advisors across the country and about 34 billion under management. All right. Thank you all. 
And what's interesting about today's discussion is we have a good cross section, right? Bob C., you're you're running a big program with your own broker dealer, and then we have John and Kevin that get a, a good perspective on what's going on with some of the smaller programs and the credit union. So we look forward to your uh, your perspectives from the different angles you see what's trending in the industry. So let's start with trending. You know, as always on these monthly podcasts, we look at the month to month trending and get your feedback and your reaction to what we see versus what you guys see in your programs. And when we look at September, we essentially seem to be in a holding pattern when compared to August. So it was it was roughly even, although it was better than September of 2019, which is impressive given the environment we've been in. So what have what have your experiences been like? And Bob, maybe Bob C, maybe you can kick us off from your perspective. Sure, I think that's pretty consistent. When you take a look from where we are at fifth third from August to September, we're basically flat. We're holding a steady from a revenue perspective. Based on where we were at this time last year, we're up about 9% from our 2019 September. So we've seen good, consistent growth throughout the year. We've held pretty much, we got off to probably like a lot of other programs, a tremendous start in the first quarter. Obviously, April and uh, was a little bit of a challenge, but as we kind of found our footing in May and June, and uh, we've been very fortunate, our financial centers pretty much throughout our footprint have been open since June 1st. And we've uh, had our investment executives in the branch. They've been a welcome partner within the financial centers. So I think that's really helped uh, our consistent growth throughout the summer and the early fall. Yes. So your advisors have been in the branch on pretty much of a full-time basis or no? Are they kind of alternating between branch and working from home? Most of them have been really inside the financial centers really since I would say June. Uh, And even that before then, we were doing appointment only within the financial centers prior to that. So really our focus was trying to keep as consistent a a work environment for our clients, our investment executives throughout the entire part of the pandemic. But clearly just like everyone I think else has learned to work remotely and the technology that we're using today certainly has been a big benefit to us as we continue to reach and be more efficient with our clients. Yeah. Okay. Good for you guys. So Kevin and John, uh, what's interesting is when we dive into the, the numbers when I say the numbers, all the data that we collect on a monthly basis from the industry, while September compared to August seemed to be a holding pattern for the industry overall, if we just look at the smaller programs, they actually grew their business about 20% from the previous September. And they were up a bit, at least from what we see, they were up a bit from August to September. So when you look at your client institutions, did you see the same thing? Kevin, you want to kick us off? And then John, perhaps tell us what you, uh, what you see. Sure. Uh, on that side of it, yeah, we have programs that have that kind of performance that are really looking at breaking records, doing things that they've never done before, where you have the advisors who quickly adjusted to the new world and looked at how are they sourcing their leads? How are they looking to find revenue and business? And, and we really focus on invested dollars. That's what we can control coming in. Overall, our September was a record, our August was a record, and October is looking like it will be also for the firm as a whole. So things have recovered. Overall, uh, September was a big increase compared to pretty large dip back in May from what we saw. So we're seeing things coming back. I hate to be real near term in that conversation the last week or so. I think the market volatility election right around the corner, you can see if you're watching it day to day, the reins are being pulled in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely a little bit volatile, <laughs> but I love hearing you talk about records. So good for you guys. 
So John, how about you and Ameriprise? What have you guys experienced? Yeah, I mean, you know, our experience hasn't been much different than you described. I would say that one thing that's worked well for us and some of my institutions that have been heavily recruiting, they have had a chance to pick up some pretty quality teams. Had a couple of million dollar teams come in in the back half of the summer, and those teams are just getting getting ramped up. So um, there was about another 350 million in new AUM that popped into my region that hit in September. So my number is a little bit skewed from that perspective. But I'll say this: I, I think the pandemic gave everybody a, a little bit of a different chance to take a look at their books of business. So you know, if you're not sitting in the branch and you're working from home, I had several of my advisors take the opportunity to dig into their books of business and maybe re-engage with some clients that they hadn't spoken with in a while, knowing that you know there was probably some uncertainty from those individuals during the pandemic. And what I'm finding out is you know, they've been able to engage with those individuals. And in some cases, it might be a client that they inherited that was you know, on the other side of the state or maybe even a different state now. And it would be somebody that they probably wouldn't have spent a ton of time with. And they're finding new business opportunities within those clients, especially in some of my small to mid-sized programs that's been a real opportunity for them over the summer and what would be traditionally the, uh, the slower months. Yeah. You know, it, one thing that's really interesting uh, that we're seeing over the last several months, as we do these interviews and as we look at data and talk to not only program managers, but some advisors directly, is that there are a percentage of advisors out there who have embraced the change, right? That are, you know, very adaptable and figured out how to leverage the, the new normal, so to speak, at least where we are for now, and are really thriving and are doing a great job gathering assets because they're leveraging some of the virtual technology that others seem to be a little bit hesitant to, afraid to, or not sure how to do it. The ones that have embraced it and learned how to hit the curveball, so to speak, are killing it. I mean, they're really doing a great job. And I think that's behind some of the records, Kevin, maybe that you were talking about. I love seeing that. I love hearing that we have adaptable advisors in our channel. I think that's moving the ball forward. So, you know, I'm an optimist and I like hearing that stuff. Kevin, did you have a comment you wanted to make there? Yeah, I think uh, to uh, play off of that and expand on it, we just came off our annual conference. And of course, uh, what we like to do is bring peers to talk to their peers who have been successful to help the others. And the advisors and the stories that are really resonating out there are the individuals that day one back in March when they got, I'll call it, thrown out of their branches and sent home and had no idea what to do, embraced technology. They decided they had to learn how to do a Zoom call. They had to learn how to use whatever platform they were going to use to interact with their clients and then pivoted on that and learned it and excelled at it. And then the other thing that we've seen that's been very impactful are the advisors who pivoted their approach to business very quickly and understood the environment that we're under, the rate environment as an opportunity versus moving so hard to a great place of being a planning advisor to understand that they had to go work with their book of clients and understand that they had a rate issue and have that different call with them. And seeing those advisors really excel, those are the ones that are breaking records. Yeah, no, that's good. And, and the, the, the rate issue leads us right into our next question. So Bob Mattel, I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, thanks very much, Kevin, for bringing that up. Let's dig in a little deeper in the data. Rates on deposits are very low. We're still seeing, though, a steady climb in transactional revenue due to this rate environment. 
I was wondering if you're all seeing the same results. John, why don't you start us off with that? Thank you, Bob. Yeah, it was definitely right after the interest rate cut. Um, there was an opportunity that I saw within my institutions where advisors were looking to pivot, whereas clearly financial planning and, and advisory has been a core piece of, of our offering and, and it's still a core piece of our offering, but you have seen an uptick in that transactional business. I know there was a big push in August and then again in early September with some advisors that kind of wanted to get in with some certain products before there were rate cuts. A little bit less I've, I've seen heard or seen this month, but it was certainly something that was a push over the summer months and into September. Mm, great, great. Bob, I'm wondering what the experience is at Fifth Third, especially since your market's spread out across the United States. You've got Florida and you've got you know, Midwest. Any differences and changes? Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. I think we all looked as we see the advisors and clients thirsting for yield. We were able to fill that need. We just we did see an uptick in transactional revenue really through June, July and into August. But that has tempered quite a bit in just, I'd say, the last six weeks. I think some of that has been election focus. But the one thing I've been really extremely happy with is our continued commitment to our RIA business. You know, we have more than a billion dollars in sales in RIA business for us here at Fifth Third this year. We've been net positive each month of the year. And that's something I've been extremely proud of, that not only we've been able to continue to have conversations with clients and bringing them into a a long-term strategy, but also keeping them and not having the panic. And I think it's so important from the advice and guidance that all of our financial professionals provide right now, it's the ability to make sure that clients stay true to their plan and not be derailed by the short-term impact that happened in March and certainly the volatility that we're seeing as we get closer to the election. And who knows what may happen uh, you know, after that. But I've been really proud of that, that the conversations, I think, have been quality conversations, and it's led to us keeping our AUMs. Well, before I go to Kevin, John, do you have anything to add to that in terms of the RIA business that you guys are doing? Certainly, you know, the fee-based business trend has continued, been a primary focus of ours, the financial planning side of it, as I mentioned earlier. So, you know, we did not see the way we're structured. It's it's really, you know, focuses on a goal for each client and tracking towards those goals. So just like everybody else, we bared the the change in the market back in March and April. But as the market has rebounded, and advisors have continued to focus on those opportunities with their clients. We've seen a continued uptick in in new AUM and growth in that piece of the business. So very similar. That brings us to Kevin. Kevin, you get to answer both now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So looking at it overall, sticking with the RIA conversation and the advisory side of the world, that definitely is still our leading area where dollars are going. It's the largest percentage of the dollars are still going into the advisory uh, side of the world. But what we did see was a shift with that rate environment. We saw our fixed annuity business increase quite a bit throughout uh, the summer and still here into the fall, seeing that on the higher side. One of the big things that has really, I will say, helped throughout the pandemic is the fact that we have all that advisory business. I think a surprise to many is the markets have held up well. We had that quick dip and then a a large recovery. So that advisory revenue, uh, the recurring revenue, if you will, on the asset base as a whole, has really propped up overall revenue. And that given time now for the transactional revenue to come back into play. But if you look at year to date, everything overall is what saved us, I think, is the uh, 
advisory revenue. I, I would have to agree. I mean, it seems hard to see this trend toward transactional at two and three percent. It's just absolutely amazing that folks are still still gravitate to the, that area of safety. But moving on, Scott. Yeah. So Kevin, you mentioned year to date. So I'd love to get all of your perspectives on how your programs are doing year to date. So, you know, Kevin, maybe you can continue giving us some feedback and then Bob and John give us some as well. So, you know, what we see when you look at the industry overall is that we're a little behind where we were at this time in 2019 from a productivity standpoint. However, if we look at just third quarter to third quarter, we're now about even. So we're on the right trend, so to speak. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you a tough question. The, the first part is easy, right? How are your programs, when you look at your client institutions, uh, how are they looking year to year? And then now that we're almost through October, what's your gut telling you about where we're going next as we get into the last part of this year? That's the tough part. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with year to date. And I'll, um, looking over year to date, you're right on. We are just slightly behind if you go year over year, a little under 3%. But as I mentioned earlier, if you look at the recurring side of that revenue uh, through advisory and trail business, there were up over 11%. What we're still recovering from is that large dip in the, I'll call it the uh, May through July period in the transactional revenue. So uh, still trying, you know, still working to recover from that. But if you look at to your question of the third quarter, as I mentioned, every one of those months in the third quarter was a record for the firm. So we did recover substantially to make up that shortfall in in, uh, the second quarter. For the balance of the year, there's a wild card. I will tell you, I think- You think? uh, (laughs) Near term, a lot of pulling in on the reins. And if you look at the market that I looked at an hour ago, we're having more of this play out is the uncertainty coming into, there's so many uncertainties out there, let's face it, coming into the election and so forth. And we know how the market doesn't like that. And that can create for the investor inertia. We've seen it. I've been in the business pushing 35, 40 years, and you just hit these periods of inertia and and we're in that, I think the wild card is how long is that period of inertia going to be? What's going to be the answer to bring everybody out of that? And generally, uh, it's not as long as you anticipate it's going to be. So I think we'll still finish the year out pretty strongly. Yeah, so let's hope so. So Bob C., from a big program perspective, do you have a similar view? Yeah, I mean, we've been very fortunate. Our productivity, like I said, we've been pretty consistent throughout the year. Looks like we should finish up double digits year over year from 2019 to 2020. I count a lot of that to the return to normalcy that we had and the partnership that we have with our retail bank. So that's worked well. I have seen, and I think I just mentioned it before, and Kevin mentioned it, the transactional revenue has slowed down, I'd say, over the last you know 30 to 45 days, whether it be the inertia that you mentioned in the market or just also making sure that you have the appropriate product to meet really that rate need from a client standpoint. But our overall AUM business continues to remain very strong throughout this. So again, I think we're trending to a net positive month again. So I'm very excited about that. I know we'll talk about it a little bit later, but insurance has been relatively very strong for us in the last few months. 
Well, insurance is going to be our next subject, but before we jump into that, John, did you have anything additional to add, or are you basically seeing uh, the same type of tracking? Similar tracking. I think we're a little different in the sense that, you know, late 2018 is when investment professionals became Ameriprise Institutional Group, right? So, you know, going through a little bit of disruption there, probably a little bit more of a transactional broker-dealer over to a more fee-based financial planning broker-dealer, you know, a lot of knowledge and, and skill set changes there, a lot of education that we did in early uh, 2019 around those items. So now that you've got advisors that have fully embraced the technology, set their course, set where they're headed, we've had a much better 2020 thus far, even with the pandemic. And of course, recruiting was another key piece of that, right? So the recruiting pipeline built over 2019 and several of my institutions have been able to add some really high quality advisors into their programs. And that's really helped them moving into the back half of this year. As far as post-election, you know, I like to think positively. I feel like regardless of the outcome, just having that out of the way should help ease some investors' anxiety and should help potentially boost the market. And of course, if we can ever get a vaccine here for the uh, end of the year, early next year, I think that could positively, you know, going forward. So unless we have some cratering of the market, we're looking to continue our momentum going into 2021. All right. Well, <laughs> Bob Mattel, yeah. I want to hand it off to you for your favorite <clears throat> subject. Uh, let's, let's talk about life insurance. Well, as you know, that's been my favorite topic for years and life insurance continues to be a tough one for the industry still hovering at around 3% of total program revenue at best. Some programs do push it to maybe 5%. There are some examples that are even higher. But in September, Life Insurance Awareness Month, we saw a surprising spike. It was up almost 35%. And I'm wondering if there were programs in place for Insurance Awareness Month and you know how that may have affected sales. It's actually the highest level since before the pandemic. So John, why don't you start us off with this? Thanks, Bob. You know, we didn't do anything specifically in September for Life Insurance Month. We were aware of it. You know, we continue to promote it and push it within the channel. I do have, however, though, a couple of institutions I work with, a couple of my larger ones that have their own life insurance or their insurance arm of their financial institutions. So some of that business does get diverted over in that direction, those institutions. But I didn't see anything specific that I could call out, I would say, in, in, at least in my region. You know, a lot of organizations lease toward technology solutions, which has been helpful in their programs. Uh, Bob, I'm wondering if that's part of, you mentioned before that you've seen a spike as well and some real good insurance success. Can you share with us uh, what's going on? Yeah, I always laugh that it's Life Insurance Month, uh, Awareness Month, 12 months out of the year at Fifth Third Securities. So it's an important aspect. I mean, we work together for a long time from the product side. It makes up about 9% of our overall revenue. So it's always been a big focus for us. I will say that that is probably one of the things I'm most proud of how our financial professionals have handled. As we made the transition to having more virtual appointments, the ability for us to be able to take, and I have examples of life insurance sales that have been done virtually all the way through our e-sign process that the client never actually had to come into the actual office for. And I'm very proud of that, that we've really been able to adapt to that. But it has been a major focus for us. We believe it's a tenant to a solid financial plan, and we want to make sure that our investment executives are bringing that up in conversations. We have an insurance specialist wholesaler kind of direct sales model to support our financial professionals, and they've been outstanding, whether it be through a lot of client education events that we've been able to do remotely. We've had 
plenty of 10 and 20 person opportunities where people have joined us virtually to learn more about the opportunities that we have from a protection standpoint. And I think that's really helped lead to our success and continuing that momentum even into the month of October as we finish up right here, we're trending probably to a record month. Wow, 9%. I hope all our listeners are hearing that. That's three times the average, 9% total revenue and in insurance. Wow. So, uh, so Bob Mattel, we're, you know, we're doing a, another podcast recording today, specifically on life insurance. Bob C., I think we need to recruit you onto that one as well. <laughs> I'm fully available. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well, we'll be calling you at four o'clock. So th- thanks so much, Bob. And again, it is, I mean, three times the average and, and on a great trajectory to go even further. Kevin, what's going on with insurance? Well, I'll tell you, it's, uh, I'm not going to have a story like Bob's, that's for sure. And it was interesting when I saw this question and went and looked a little closer. Yes, we had a, a blip up in insurance revenue, but in reality, it's not one that I had seen because of it's still an area that the advisors, as you point out across the country, need to embrace more. We have seen it grow over the recent years with our uh, better implementation of uh, financial planning strategies as advisors get more and more into that planning side of the world. And I think we're going to have a huge uptick in that and into the insurance as we go into the future. Because one of the things that the pandemic period has brought home and this period of uncertainty and volatility and unrest in in an individual client's world is those advisors where they had a financial plan in place with the client found a level of comfort when talking with that individual. And that has resonated to help bring us to where we uh, need to get to more quickly with some advisors that are the last adopters. Well, and absolutely, there is no such thing as a financial plan without a protection component for sure. So that absolutely is important. And uh, it's great to see some success in insurance in the middle of a pandemic. And I think you're right, Kevin, the pandemic has maybe heightened the awareness of uh, insurance. In my book, you are not doing your job as an advisor if you're not helping your clients protect their assets. And it's as simple as that. I mean, you you have to do it. And Bob C., good for you guys for, for pushing life insurance. And just one point of interest as we look at the data and our data expert, Janet Capaletti, brought this up this morning. We noticed in the data that there were a few instances of some big insurance cases landing in September. So I think a few advisors were sandbagging for Life Insurance Awareness Month. (laughs) All right. Well, let's wrap it up with this last question that is a um, kind of an interesting perspective based on something that you guys have brought up several times, and that is the environment that we're in, right? So we've been in a pandemic environment. We had for a good part of the last several months, a lot of advisors working virtually. So the the question is this. So when you consider maybe the lessons being learned working in this virtual environment, have you seen interesting trends emerge? Have you seen new business models that advisors are utilizing that may really be working or new ways of doing business? And, you know, is there anything about what has gone on in this quirky year that has affected 2021 planning in maybe an interesting strategic way? And I know that's kind of a, um, it's kind of a big picture question, but you know, you can't help being curious as you see things 
that are kind of jumping off the page at you when you look at some of the stuff that's going on. We mentioned earlier that the advisors who are embracing the environment and virtual technology seem to be doing well. But just wondering, you know, and Bob C, maybe you can kick us off here because, you know, you, you have, what did you say, 350 advisors or so, and you look across that landscape. What seems to be jumping out at you? What's, you know, what, what are the lessons being learned? Are there any cool strategic things that you're going to take into 2021, et cetera? Bob? Well, it's interesting because certainly I think just globally, the interest rate environment we are in is going to have a major impact on the organizations globally that we work for, whether it be a big bank like myself or the credit unions that you support. There is going to be a greater pressure for fees and that fee revenue within each one of our organizations. So I, from a planning standpoint, I think we're going to become even more important to the overall success of our larger institutions that we support. From an advisor standpoint, it's interesting because some of the things that you've seen and I really believe advisors become more efficient, whether it be client reviews, managing their book, they're seeing more, able to touch more clients on a daily basis than they would in a normal traditional branch environment without the virtual component. And I think this will be something that each uh, financial professional will take forward no matter what, instead of trying to schedule or drive around town for different locations, they're clearly they're going to be more efficient going forward. I don't think that's something that any professional is going to give up at this point. The one thing I've also seen is the ability for us to be able to see advisors who have worked more remotely say, hey, this may be something for me long term. And we're starting to see a small trend of our investment executives come to us say, I think working X branch or second floor advisor may be something that I want to start to look at. And we've already had some conversations around that. So uh, starting to think about strategies in place that we can do that and grow efficiently. Uh, I don't want to make it a you know a widespread type uh, situation, but I want to where, where it makes sense for the business and it makes sense for the financial professional. But starting to see those conversations happen more and more throughout the second half of the year, and we've implemented a few of them already. Yeah, I, you know what? I think that's great because it will give you the ability to have what I'll call a more textured and tiered delivery model. That's a good thing, right? So good for you guys. John, what are you seeing? Yeah, I think the big story, Scott, for uh, for 2020 is going to be the virtual readiness. The advisors that have embraced the technology, utilized the technology, have, have seen success. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you have a client on the other side of the state or, or in another state, you're seeing those clients using it and, and other and you know in other business that they have or, or other groups that they're participating in. So they're more open to it. So you're going to see a lot more of a utilization there. Uh, and we promoted it and our advisors have been pushing it with their clients who have seemed to like it, especially during the pandemic. So that's a big story. And then, you know, corporately, we're also pushing, how can we potentially help? If it's going to be virtual, can we support a branch training or can we support a client's acquisition event or something like that? So we've done some things along those lines to assist our institutions and our advisors, you know, in gathering business and have seen some success going there. So I'm excited about it. I think that'll be the big story that'll come out of 2020. We'll be less, you know, let's get in the car and we got to go meet everybody face to face. There'll be more of an openness, I think, from not only clients, um, from advisors and executives and leadership all across the board to embrace the technology. Yeah, no, cool. So, uh, so Kevin, how about from your perspective? From my perspective, this is one of the biggest things that has happened to and, and opportunities for the industry. One of the things that for years we have been focused on with our programs is 
let's get out of the uh, constraints of the branch when it comes to growing your program. And I've had much more in-depth conversations, especially as we're coming into the planning season with individual programs on, let's view this as if we never had a branch again. And how would we build and grow our program? Should the limiting factor of when you add an advisor be how many branches you have or how many clients you have in the bank or or members in the credit union? So it's getting those conversations going much more in depth and much more meaningfully with the marketing teams. I think that is going to be huge going into the future. At the advisor level, as mentioned, the virtual client reviews has really opened up advisors' eyes to the effectiveness and the efficiency of doing them that way. And the clients embrace it. A client would much rather have their quarterly review on their assets and their relationship virtually. They don't have to drive across town in many of our cities and ridiculous traffic and so forth, and they can take care of business that way. But on top of that is advisors are having success with their webinars, doing uh, virtual webinars versus in face-to-face seminars. So I think we're going to see that continue because of what it allows them to touch a lot more people with that. And then the other one we've had for years, the electronic processing of business. And you don't know how many advisors that had to scramble to learn e-signature at the last minute when it's been there for uh, so long. And uh, now it's becoming a part of their psyche and a part of their business. Uh, So I think we'll see that. The last thing I'll add to it is advisors have really seen the advantage of using communication tools like texting. Our texting, use of our texting uh, tool has gone up tremendously to make those quick touches and allow uh, clients to know that you're there and you're thinking of them. Yeah, Kevin, I'll give you three interesting points of interest based on some of the things that you just said. And this is from our talks with advisors and program managers. You mentioned virtual seminars. So we've heard from a number of advisors that they're very surprised with how effective virtual seminars are. And the reasons are twofold. One is that they're getting a lot more attendees because attendees are not having to leave their homes and schedule specific time to leave the home and do it around dinner or whatever. And so it's just much easier for them to attend, right? So more attendees and their closing ratio is higher as well at least with some of the advisors we've talked to that are really embracing these virtual seminars. So that's, that's a great thing to leverage going into 2021. I'm working with a program manager in a credit union, and this is based on your comment about not relying on branch traffic. And this program manager said he doesn't, just because he has advisors and branches doesn't mean that we should be reliant on branch traffic. He said, matter of fact, I don't want to be relying on branch traffic. And he said, bigger picture, I don't want to be known as a credit union investment program. I want to be known as a wealth management program that just happens to be housed in a credit union, right? And that's the right attitude. And a lot of this is being inspired by the boundaries that have fallen down because of all this virtual stuff that you can do, right? And last but not least, we, uh, we did a video cast with an advisor that is, has been using this virtual technology for years. And he put it this way. I thought this was really cool. He said, listen, he said, I'm working with clients that are near retirement. He said, I'm with them virtually. We're doing virtual meetings with, he, he happens to use WebEx. And he said, they have me on their iPad, but they also have Apple TV. So they press a button and now I'm on their big screen TV and we're having a client review meeting. 
and I have their financial planning module up in front of them on their big screen TV, and we're reviewing where they are according to plan and what tweaks we have to make. They're kicked back on their couch with a drink in hand, their feet up on the ottoman. They're in the place that they're going to retire. I'm on their big screen TV, and we're talking about how I'm going to help them retire. It doesn't get much better than that. Right. I mean, that just think about that perspective. That is awesome. And that is so cool. And that's where stuff is going. And you know, the next generation, the millennials we're working with, that's the way they're going to want to do everything. So you better get used to it. Right. So that's good stuff. All right. Well, I think that is a wrap. And, and Bob, John, Kevin, uh, you guys are awesome. And we appreciate you participating and giving us all your insights. And we may have to call on you again in the future. And Bob Mattel. I think you might have some closing thoughts and remarks. Well, yes. Uh, actually, I am too in the place where I expect to retire. I am in Florida, but our panel today is all over the country. We go from East Coast to West Coast. And really, and this is our fourth monthly BISA industry trend watch. So it's been four great months. We have many more to go. But first off, thanks again to Kevin, to Bob, to John for preparing today and your insight and time. Thanks also to the BISA for enabling us to bring these monthly trending numbers to life each month. Thanks to Ameriprise and Chris Melton for their sponsorship. And there's so many people behind the scenes, Jason Myers, Jeff Hartney, Janet Capaletti, and many others. So that's a wrap, I believe. Thanks so much and continue listening. Yep. Let's, uh, let's hope for a good closeout of the year. Thanks, you guys. Bye, all. Thank you for listening to this month's BISA Industry Trend Watch podcast episode. And thanks to Ameriprise for their ongoing support. We would also like to thank Bob Corsari, Kevin Mumau, and John Hoffman once again for sharing their perspectives. Finally, be sure to subscribe to our two other podcast series, Industry Leadership and Success, focused on industry-leading performance and success stories, and Untangling Fintech aimed at helping you keep up with the evolution of technology offerings in our industry. See you next month.